0: The Hammer Podcast will not be heard this month. In its place, we give you the following special presentation. Greetings, and welcome to Legends of the Superheroes, a production of TheHammerStrikes.com. My name is Gene Hendricks, and in this show we'll be exploring the live-action appearances of your favorite comic book heroes. I say we because I am joined by a guest... This time out, we have an award-winning web comic writer, veteran podcaster, driving force behind the book Hey Kids Comics, True Life Tales from the Spinner Rack,
1: and the world's number one Aquaman fan, Rob Kelly. How are you, Rob? Hey, Gene, thank you for having me on the inaugural episode of the show. I, I'm happy to be the Green Arrow or Captain America or George Carlin or whatever you want to call me as the first guest, <laughs> first new person of, of this show, of this, of this podcasting venture.
0: Well, thank you for agreeing to be on. I mean, I've enjoyed your shows for, jeez, how, unfortunately not the entire time you guys have been podcasting, because I only recently found podcasts, but I, I think that might have broken my brain listening to the five-hour <laughs> one, but. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yes. But this time out, uh, Rob and I will be covering the 1982 Wes Craven movie, Swamp Thing. Starring Louis Jordan, Adrian Barbeau, Ray Wise, and Dick Duroc. So, Rob, how did you find this movie? Because I, I, I know I saw it on HBO, but I don't remember, you know, exactly when that was.
1: Uh, Well, okay, I saw it in the theater. Oh, okay. I, I, I saw it in the theater back when, uh, in the uh, late, very late 70s and early 80s, my father would take my sister and I... Uh, out every, my sister didn't uh, live with us, because uh, she was older, and lived with us, so she, we, she would take us out every week, and we would do something different, you know, like go miniature golfing, or visit my, our uncle, or, you know, it was something different every week, but movies were always part of the mix, and so, growing up, I saw every major movie that a kid would want to see, I saw, the, you know, all the, reservoir raiders all the star wars movies all the superman movie i mean just everything it was great and swamp thing i am sure swamp thing was my pick uh i'm sure my (laughs) father had no interest in seeing swamp thing i'm sure he was just like oh my really swamp thing but you know i was like hey it's a swamp thing movie because you know 1982 comic book movies were still pretty rare to a younger generation that is completely uh incomprehensible now of course but back then you had to take what you could get so i was very excited that there was going to be a swamp thing movie so i remember being in a theater and, and seeing it
0: oh wow so i guess your dad was pleasantly surprised at the uh, the bathing scene then
1: well that's the f- okay That i guess we should start <laughs> off with the story is that like yeah okay yeah that there is two cuts of of swamp thing there is mm-hmm. a 91 minute cut that ran in america And there's a 93-minute cut which ran in Britain. And the one in Britain has the nudity in it. The one in uh, America does not have the nudity. And I, uh, many years later, when I was uh, toiling away at a video store, um, I was, uh, we had like monitors uh, in the store for, for, you know, to put movies on and people, you know, the customers could hear them and whatever. And I was one of the managers and I was there then, and that, and it was like a Friday night, and I was like, I always like to run fun stuff. And I was like, oh, what, you know, what could I run? And I'm looking through all the tapes, and then there was Swamp Thing. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen Swamp Thing in, in forever. Let me put that on. So I put it on, and then I get, you know, whatever, and I go off, and I'm putting boxes away, whatever I was doing. And what do I see on the screen but Adrian Barbeau's naked breast. <laughs> like, oops! So I run over and pop the tape out, I put on whatever else. And I was like, did my dad take me to a movie with nudity in it? Like that, my like retroactively, my dad was so much cooler. Uh, I didn't realize though that when they put the movie out on VHS and later on DVD, they used the British version, not the American version. Mm-hmm. So the version that I saw in a theater did not have Adrian Barbeau topless in it. I wish it had, but it it didn't. So no, my dad. Now I will say, my dad took me to other stuff that did have topless. Scenes in it because back then, you know, this there's no internet. My dad had no idea. Mm-hmm. We just went to stuff. You know, he took me to Conan the Barbarian. That has nudity in it. But yeah, the, so the version of Swamp Thing that I saw in the theater was 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 strictly PG, not the PG with a little something extra. The way you see <laughs> the one the ones that the Brits saw.
0: Well, actually, to to be fair, I rewatched the one that was broadcast on the IFC network recently. While it's not full frontal. There is some nice images of her bare breasts in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, know, yeah. In, in fact, it's funny to, to look, analyzing things like I do, it's almost like the strategically placed branches were yeah. strategically placed to say, hey, look
1: here! Because <laughs> they weren't hiding anything. It's an amazing thing to think about that comic, a comic book movie had nudity in it. That, right. That's completely uncom- incomprehensible nowadays you know, I mean, if there was nudity in an Iron Man movie, people would just, believe, what? You know, like, it oh, would be yeah. so strange. But, but in the Wes Craven PG rated Swamp Thing movie, there's not only Agent Barbotopolis, but there's that scene at Arcane's uh, lair or whatever you want to call it, that has like new dancing girls in it too. So yeah, it's very, very strange. It's a, it's a very odd mix to have that in a, in what is ostensibly a comic book movie and meant for kids.
0: Now, this this was my first exposure to swamp thing as a character i did i did not know that there was a comic book uh prior to this but you know i i grew up a little bit later so i think his original comic run was what late 60s early 70s it's
1: like 72 to 75 76 oh was it like that, that late okay yep. yeah
0: and then with this movie they actually started saga of the swamp thing which right, eventually right. went led into the alan Moore... Right. world's greatest Swamp Thing stories ever. Yep. Uh, but you you knew this was that Swamp Thing was a comic book movie coming oh, out? Oh, yeah. Oh, I okay. loved
1: Swamp Thing as a kid. And, I mean, he he was, from the late 70s to the early 80s, to the very early 80s, he was, you know, one of these characters who just didn't have a home and just popped up in, you know, DC Comics Presents or Brave and the Bold or whatever. Mm. But I always liked him. I always thought he was really cool. And I bought the Saga of the Swamp Thing when it came out. I mean, Saga of the Swamp Thing, I think, was started entirely because there was the movie. They had optioned the movie and DC was just like, we want to have a book, a Swamp Thing book out there, because there's going to be a movie. So they just started the series because of the the movie. And in fact, the cover to SAG of the Swamp Thing number 2 is a photo cover of Dick Durock as the Swamp Thing.
0: Oh, okay. We should be upfront with the listeners. Anyone that has not seen this movie, it is a man in a rubber suit. There's no way around it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. it's,
0: it's not the high-end special effects. It's got a lot of 18 quality stunts, you know, slow motion, flying through the air, etc. But I enjoy it. I really like this movie. You know, even now, watching it as an adult, I just think that they are they got just the right balance. They're not trying to be silly. There are silly parts. They're not trying to be serious, but they're not taking it too seriously either.
1: Yeah, yeah it's it's a fun B movie. I, I mean, it's mm-hmm. if you look at it from those from those terms of that the budget is obviously very low, because as you said, Dick Durock is clearly in a rubber suit with some stuff pasted on them. And then the, the mantras at the end or, but you know, but if you look at it from that perspective, I think it's a highly enjoyable and it's, it's short too. It's like 90 minutes flat, which, right. you know, it, it, when, when something's kind of cheesy, it, it needs to get in and get out, you know, because it's before you really start like, all right, my patience is worn thin here, but it's the performances are good. I mean, I grew up on Adrian Barbeau. I still, still love Adrian Barbeau. I just, she's just like one of like the childhood crushes I had, you know, oh, as yeah. a, and still think she's great and the other performer, i mean louis jordan is is arcane is he's not bad but he i mean he was like in his probably 50s when he did it and i'm sure he knew nothing of swamp thing and was just like oh this is a comic book well then i'm gonna just pitch it to 11 <laughs> you know i'm just gonna be super you know his all his dialogue is so dripping with sort of cartoony you know kind of re-line reads um but dick durock you know is pretty good as swamp thing and ray wise as alec holland in the beginning is is good too so yeah i mean it's it's a fun you know just very simple little monster movie yeah
0: and i i have to say ray wise until i saw this movie again recently i completely forgot he was in here I, to, yeah. To me, he was always be Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks.
1: Right, right, right.
0: He, that was just a brilliant role for him. But you can see a little bit of that here, like when his when his sister gets shot and he starts going over the edge. You you can see what what he was doing in Twin Peaks later later on, starting here.
1: Yeah, he's good. It's, it's a shame I had read that he, I mean, I, I, as a kid, I never really thought about it. And then later on, I was like, it's kind of odd that they change actors. You know, like, why mm-hmm. they make an, why, why is it Ray Wise and then it's Dick Durock? And the reason for that is because they apparently intended Ray Wise to be Swamp Thing throughout the whole movie. But when they put the makeup on him, uh, then they compared him to Dick Durock, who was an actor but mostly a stuntman. Mm-hmm. they realized visually they were so different that nobody would buy it. Like you couldn't intercut the stuntman and the Ray Wise Swamp Thing, and so they just basically handed the entire Swamp Thing role over to Dick Durock, which is kind of remarkable because he was just essentially, I don't want to say just as a, in, a pe- in a pejorative sense, but he was not really an actor. He was a stuntman, and all of a sudden you're handing the title role of your movie to a stuntman that's pretty remarkable, but they, I guess they felt like they you know, they had no choice.
0: Yeah, but in this case, I think it, it worked pretty well because for the first, first half of the movie, basically, Swamp Thing can't talk. Right. And that goes back to the comics because originally he was, in his first appearance, what was it, House of Mystery? House of Secrets number 92. Okay, House of Secrets. It was one of those houses. Yeah. But he couldn't speak at all. He All his uh, stuff was in thought balloons, and that, that's carried through in this movie initially, because he can't talk. He can nod, you know, he can motion, but he can't say anything until later on, then he just starts saying simple words, and then... Eventually, by the time you get to the end of the movie, he's completely fluent in English.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, you know, I mean, if you were trying to make time with Adrian Barbeau, you'd find yourself inspired to talk as well, you know. <laughs> oh. And I
0: have to just give a shout out to, I, I'm going to butcher the last name, but Bennett Chote, C-H-O-A-T-E. The designer of Adrian Barbeau's gown at the end of the movie.
1: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. Thank she's, you, Bennett. Yeah, they, they West Craven knew how to make use of Adrian Barbeau's uh, assets, as it were. I mean, he really knew how to like frame them properly. And yeah, I mean, she's she's she just looks great. She's one of the. It's weird. It's like it's she's clearly a sex object in in this movie and in other movies, but yet she had a toughness to her that I think. Like undercut the the she's not help she's not a helpless female in this movie she is in in fact she's driving the plot uh, really I mean she I mean uh, you know I don't know if we want to get into for people who haven't seen it but just like the you know the brief overview of the story but it's she's a government agent who shows up to in the swamps to uh, Alec and Linda Holland's lab and they're creating they're working with this this secret formula that's going to rejuvenate life and whatever, and they realize that it works on plants. And when these uh, bad guys that are the henchmen of uh, Anton Arcane kill Alec Holland and kill Linda Holland to get the formula, it's, it's Abby who drives the story at that point. And as you said, Swamp Thing doesn't have much to say, so... He's kind of you know he's like the seasoning of the movie he's lumbering around in the background and occasionally grabbing somebody out of a boat and throwing him around but it's really aging Barbeau's show and you know so it's like as much as the, the the movie highlights you know her you know ample bosom and stuff she's she's in she's she's a no nonsense kind of girl uh and I think that kind of makes it you know a little more palatable as opposed to her just being eye candy.
0: Oh yeah, she is definitely not the one that needs to be rescued. Half the time she's getting away on her own. Right. As just when she gets cornered to the point where it, there's no way she can do it, then Swamp Thing shows up and you know rips a truck in half or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Flips over an airboat. And I have to say I I don't know if he was doing this intentionally, knowing West Craven he probably was but there are several shots of Swamp Thing in the movie that look like that Bigfoot footage. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a long shot, and he's just lumbering through, and Dick DuRoc is always holding his head down, like he's looking where he is walking. And it's just, it's so much like that, that old Bigfoot film. Right, right, it, right.
1: It, it's hilarious. I have to think that's intentional. I, I oh, yeah. You have to.
0: And you can tell right off with with this movie, like like you were saying how you know she is the the government agent coming in and they're in a swamp swamp thing it's set in a swamp they bring her in and there's the um what's his name ritter the chief of security right and it turns out he is actually arcane in disguise and what kind of disguise does he have? A rubber Scooby-Doo face mask. <laughs> which we see him pull off, right? Exactly. And so you can tell right from that point, it's like, oh, this is just going to be fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's not serious in the slightest.
1: Yeah, it's, it's you know, when, when you look at where Wes Craven's career was at that point, that's certainly his most lighthearted film. And then I think the next film he did after this was Nightmare on Elm Street, which is kind of dark again, so... This this exists as sort of a weird little blip. I mean, I, I had again I read online that he partly did this to prove to uh, Hollywood studios that he could do something with a bigger budget and with actual movie stars, and he could make a real movie as opposed to the sort of sort of grubby nightmarish things that he had done earlier, you know, like a last house on the left and uh, the hills have eyes and things like that. So yeah, it, it, it is sort of like a strange thing that this is directed by, you know, Wes Craven, really? The Swamp Thing? A PG movie called Swamp Thing? And,
0: uh, you know, it it's, it's got a lot of humor in it. There's some, some action pieces, but there's only so much you can do with Dick Durock in a wetsuit, basically. Yeah. But I have to say my favorite character in the whole movie is, Jude the the little kid that runs the gas station <laughs> he has the best lines in the whole movie like the bad guys end up showing up when Jude and Cable are in here they both dive behind the desk and she tells him not to be afraid ain't his his line is you better say that to someone whose desk you ain't hiding behind <laughs> <laughs>
1: I generally don't like little kids in movies. I just, I just I'm like, okay, you know, cause they're going to be given cutesy lines or whatever, but, but yeah, I actually do like him in this. movie. There's something about his line readings. They're very relaxed and kind of laconic. And I don't know. I mean, he, he's clearly meant to be comic relief, but he's not cloying. And if you want to see cloying watch or better, better yet, don't uh, return of the swamp thing from 1987, which features two little kids in it who you want to just murder. They're so annoying. So uh, you know, right there, just in the Swamp Thing movie universe, you could see what, you know, a good way to introduce a, a kind of a younger kid into the movie for comic relief and a bad way to do it.
0: And I, I haven't seen Return of the Swamp Thing, although oh. I have seen the TV show. Oh! <laughs> now, you must remember, when the TV show was on, I was still in school.
1: Right, right, right.
0: <laughs> so I remember it being on USA. Yeah. And I remember enjoying it. It wasn't like a I must watch this every week kind of show. But I was like, oh, Swamp Thing's on. Great. I'll watch that. Right. You know, but I don't remember it being awful. And again, I haven't seen it in 20 years.
1: We watched it. Uh, I was at, that was on while I was at the Cubert the School. And we used to get together to watch it. And we just howled with laughter about how bad it was. And there was, there was one where Swamp Thing was tracking somebody. He was following somebody. And he followed the guy all the way to New York. And there's like shots of Swamp Thing skulking around New York City. And we just thought that was the funniest. There was like, taxi, you know, this is like the (laughs) funniest thing. Like, why is Swamp Thing in Manhattan? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was clearly successful because it, 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 you know, they made two movies, a TV show and a cartoon series and a toy line. I mean, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. That's pretty good for, uh, you know, for, for a character who is, you know, not Superman or Batman.
0: Right, yeah, in fact, he's most people don't even realize he is part of DC Comics. Uh, I mean, recently, he's been more interacting with everything, but even back in the 80s, yeah, you would have references, or you would see, you know, he would cross over a couple times, but for the most part, Swamp Thing wasn't in anything else. I mean, in the 70s, he was, Yeah, but... Even that it was just these one-shot things. You you wouldn't read a, a run of Superman and suddenly, oh, they're a Swamp Thing. You know, it was like he was in his own little bubble down in Florida.
1: The only time they ever did it as an ongoing thing was uh, in the mid-70s. He became a a recurring guest star in Challengers of the Unknown. And it just doesn't fit. You know? You're know you just like, why is he here? <laughs> he just doesn't fit. <laughs> I, I, mean, I remember when he showed up in Crisis. And it just, it that was when Alan Moore was doing it. And you're just like, this doesn't fit anymore. You know, like, this, Swamp Thing has so become his own thing. It just doesn't, he just looks so strange standing next to all these other characters.
0: Yeah, it, it's almost like, you know, Swamp Thing really should be off, like, in the, the Vertigo imprint or something.
1: Right. You know, because it, it there's a lot
0: of weirdness there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's see. How about we, uh, we take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a, a bit more about Swamp Thing. All right. Trennis Magnus punches reality. Comics, movies, and TV
1: shows. Trennis Magnus punches reality. The People's Geeky Podcast. Trennis Magnus
0: punches reality. Celebrating 50 ball-smashing episodes. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. Episode 50. Coming July 1st, 2014.
1: Only at 2TrueFreaks.com.
0: I'm not kidding around either. If I ever find out my show's been syndicated on some other podcast network without my permission, I'll sue a mother Hey Gene, we should do a podcast. Sounds like a great idea, Jeff. But what will we talk about? How about a superhero that we both love? Perfect. Some like Thor or Captain America? Uh, both great choices, but um, I think they're being covered by somebody else already. Wait, I've got it. What about the protector of the universe? Like Voltron? No, no, no. The guy with the jewelry that lets him create whatever he wants. Ah, Green Lantern, nice. Close. No, this guy is Cosmic Awareness. Captain Marvel? Almost. I mean, Quasar. Ah, oh, Quasar. Who doesn't love a good Quasar? Tune in to the Quantum Cast, covering all things Quasar. Yes, that's right. You can find us at quantumbands.blogspot.com And on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Yeah, that, that didn't sound scripted at all, did it? Coming soon on Two True Freaks. Beware the Beast Man. A month-long celebration. For he is the devil's pawn. Of one of the greatest science fiction series Alone among God's primates Of all time He kills for sport, or lust, or greed Covering all the films Let him not breed in great numbers For he will make a desert of his home and yours All the comic books Shun him The toys Drive him back into his jungle lair The entire phenomenon that was For he is the harbinger of death The planet of the apes planet of the apes a month-long event coming soon
1: only at com. and we're back yeah i mean what, one of the other things that i do like about uh swamp thing and again and in its cheesiness is that it does have kind of a nice heart to it and it has a little bit of a I, I don't want to oversell this 'cause it's you know, but like a philosophical point of view because you they establish later on and you know spoiler alert for a thirty year old movie but like they established that the formula that the al Holland has come up with doesn't so much turn you into like a super being as it brings out what is latent in you, so it's like if you're a heroic person or a courageous person or a selfless person it brings that out and it sort of gives you the ability to be that times a 10 or times a 100 so it's like alec holland is a nice guy and he's mixed with all the swamp gick and it turns him into a hero now later on in the movie when uh spo- again spoiler alert when anton arcane takes the formula it turns him into just a horrible monster you know in an, in an even worse monster suit you know, i mean you could practically see the zipper going up the back it's so bad <laughs> but like it turns him into just a raving monstrous mindless creature so you know it's establishing like, okay this guy is a horrible person the formula is not going to turn him into something great it's going to turn him into just magnify what he already is And earlier on, uh, Arcane tests the formula on one of his henchmen and it turns him into like a little person, like a a person with like a pig snout. And it sort of deforms him a little, but it turns him into kind of like a nice guy. Like he then befriends Swamp Thing and uh, Abby because he realizes, oh, you know, I've been betrayed by my boss. I'm going to help out you know, Swamp Thing and the other guys, and there there is a scene in, in, the, in the movie where Swamp Thing loses his arm, gets chopped off, and he manages he's trussed up down in the dungeon and he's, you know, there with just the one arm but he manages to get a little bit of sunlight shown on him and he starts regrowing his arm uh, which is great, you know, which is like something inherent in the character from the beginning his ability to regenerate, and he, it's done very, very cheesily, because they had very little money, basically they stuck a twig in Swamp Thing's arm and then you see it they keep cutting back to it and it's growing and growing and growing but I still thought that was neat you know they're like oh cool they're they're bringing that from the comic book in as well I mean it's like it's a cheesy movie with low budget but they're in there trying and it's like I can forgive a movie it's low budget if they're really trying to you could tell they're really trying to do something as opposed to trying to get one over on you or whatever like they really are they're in there pitching and apparently again from what I read is that Wes Craven took on this movie and the the budget was much higher and then they kept cutting it. So Wes Craven had to keep cutting corners further and further to make the movie. And, and you can tell. <laughs> and you can tell. And funnily enough, this is produced by uh, Melkner and Uslin, who later on would produce Batman in 1989. So it's like they were, you know, establishing their comic book movie bona fides, you know, seven years earlier. And it's it's amazing to think that those two films are only separated by seven years and yet, they are they're like completely different universes in terms of how they feel. I mean, Batman, the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie, could not have been a bigger event movie. It oh yeah, could, could not have been. And yet Swamp Thing is like this little grungy, you know, little release. It's it's sort of remarkable.
0: Yeah, and like you were saying with the budget, you can almost tell right when the accountants came in because <laughs> the uh, the the arcane creature. I'm pretty sure I had that mask as a kid for Halloween because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't move. But the eyes are oh. painted on.
1: Yeah, it's a horrible... Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it, they don't destroy that thing quick enough, really.
1: One of the other thing that's odd is that, like, the whole movie is shot during the day. All the scenes take place during the day, and you would think that if you have cheesy rubber suits, you would shoot more scenes at night, you know, to hide it more. I mean, first of all, to, to give yourself some extra mood... But just to also hide the costumes more, you know, if the lights are off, it's harder to make out that you know. Oh, look at that! You can tell the little rubber creases on people's elbows and stuff. So that's kind of a strange thing that the whole, virtually the entire movie is shot at during the day.
0: Yeah, and at least put a blue filter on it or something. Pretend it's night. Nice yeah, like right. Yeah, shoot
1: day for night. Yeah, shoot day for night. I don't. Yeah, it's that's very strange. I um, this there apparently is a commentary track on the DVD from. West Craven and I want to find that and, and listen to it because he probably has some really interesting stories about it, about shooting it. Um, I have I've I just have never gotten around to buying it, but I would almost buy a DVD of Swamp Thing just to hear uh, West Craven talk about it. There's probably some really interesting stories. And you know, one of the things I loved about Swamp Thing when it was coming out is the the poster. The oh, poster yeah. is gorgeous. This beautiful painting, I, which is set at night, oddly enough. <laughs> um, of swamp thing coming through the swamp and he's holding adrian barbeau who looks just fan- i mean they made her boobs even bigger in the painting which is not surprising but it's a it, the painting is just like a classic movie poster painting and if you and it ran on the inside covers of like every dc comic for like three months and i remember seeing them like going oh man you know i can't wait to see this movie <laughs> you know it looks so cool <laughs> all right well i'm i'm pretty sure that for
0: the movie that's, it's, it's what, 32 years old now. Now, Yeah. Now I really feel old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You feel old? I just said that I saw it in the theater.
0: I wasn't going to go that far, but if you wanted to bring it up,
1: sure. It was plate night. It was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Roosevelt told us to go see to the movies. You know, like oh my god, there was a newsreel, there was a cartoon. It was great. All right, well, I
0: think we're going to wrap it up th- on that note. <laughs> As Rob gets his wheelchair and goes out. <laughs> Well, thank you again for, for being here, Rob. I really appreciate it. And uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you on the uh, the internet and on the airwaves? On
1: uh, well, the airwaves, of course, is the Fire & Water podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher and on our, our blog, which is Fire And I, of course, run uh, the Aquaman Shrine, which is net. And as Gene uh, very generously mentioned, there's my book, Hey Kids Comics, True Love Tales from the Spinner Rack, which is available on Amazon and... And there's also my webcomic, which is Ace Kilroy, which you can find uh, 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 online at acekilroy.com in print form and on comiXology in digital form.
0: And I would suggest that everyone listening to this check all those things out, uh, especially Hey Kids Comics and Ace Kilroy. They are both excellent productions.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you, Rob. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. I'll catch you next time. Legends of the Superheroes is a production of TheHammerStrikes.com and focuses on examining live-action versions of superheroes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send an email to legends at TheHammerStrikes.com. Please look for The Hammer Strikes on Facebook and Google+. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.
1: We should—I should have mentioned on the show. It's like for anybody who's listening to the show for the first time, the guests can only get better from here. So, <laughs> if, you got, if you got through this episode, yeah, the rest are going to be done. It's all going to be easy. So, oh, well, now I know what to put after the credits. Ah,
0: perfect. <laughs> <laughs>